see a man take his coat off, that means he's fixed to go to work. So I don't want y'all to watch me while I work. I want y'all to help me, okay? And pray for me. Mark 9, Luke 5. This is the same uh, scene. It's just a, a different uh, perspective or two. That uh, So I'll read both of them. Let's read in Mark 9 first. Mark 9, verse 9. And as Jesus passed, and as Jesus passed forth from thence, I want you to get that. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. I want you to get that first line, and as Jesus passed. Uh, Luke 5, uh, Luke 5, and verse number 27. And after these things he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. And I love this next verse. And he left all. Say, aren't you glad you get to leave it all? And he left all and rose up and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans and others that sat down with them. I'll take as a scripture text Matthew 9, 9, that single phrase that I pointed out, and as Jesus passed. I, I want to preach tonight if the Lord would stand by me on this title, don't miss your moment. And as Jesus passed, once to every man and nation comes the moment to decide in the strife of truth with falsehood for the good or evil side. Tonight, before you leave this building, you'll have an opportunity to decide. You'll have an opportunity, each and every one of you, to decide whether or not that you're going to sit in your sin or you're going to leave all and follow Jesus. I am so glad that one time a preacher preached to me pointedly and plain and conviction fell on my heart and I went to an altar and found Christ in the free pardon of sin and I got to leave all my sins behind. Hallelujah. And so I want to talk to you tonight about don't miss your moment. Don't miss the privilege and the opportunity that you have right now. Our English word opportunity, when we speak of someone having an opportunity, it's, it's a Latin. It's a Latin word and it means to come to the port. That's where we get our word opportunity. It means to come to the port. It suggests that in olden times, before they were channels in which uh, ships could travel, that they had to wait for the right tide and for the wind. And then they could gain the port because they had an, a, wind, a window rather of opportunity. They were given a certain window to get in when the tide was right and when the wind was behind them, those sailing vessels could come to port. They could make the port. Tonight in this service, conviction will come. 
And if God will anoint this preacher, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make it to the altar. Hallelujah. But how many opportunities have you passed? How many opportunities have you set through? How many opportunities have you let pass by? Notice Matthew here, Matthew Levi, uh, Christ coming to his life. Here's life's greatest moment. Here's life's greatest moment when Christ comes to your life. I've not met very, very many uh, quote-unquote important people. Uh, I've, I've not met very many famous people. I did see Vernon Presley one time, and that don't mean nothing to you, except that Vernon Presley uh, was Elvis Presley's father, and he was also a... Uh, a convict uh, because of uh, a life of crime Vernon Presley actually served time at the farm which is Parchman Penitentiary in, outside of Starkville Mississippi Vernon Presley was incarcerated there for a while but when I was just a small boy I went to Graceland and uh, and we, we toured the, the the grounds and got to see part of the mansion but there in the ticket booth was uh uh, Vernon Presley, Elvis's daddy. No, I never saw Elvis, but I saw his daddy. Amen. I, I, I never have met very many important people. But let me tell you about the greatest encounter I ever had in my life is when the man of God preached Christ to me and I come to face to face with Jesus Christ. And that's my job here tonight is to preach to you that there is a man named Jesus and he will save you if you will but open your heart and hearken to his call. Christ coming to his life, it was an opportunity that was, was passing. Did you know the scripture there? As Jesus passed. As Jesus passed. You see, opportunity is fleeting. Opportunity is passing. Have you ever heard the old phrase, the same man can never cross the same river twice? Have you ever thought about the truth that lies in that statement? The same man can never cross the same river twice. Because should he come back to that river, he's not the same man. None of us stay the same. The waters have passed. The waters have went down on the, down the stream. The current has went on down the river. The river's not the same. But what has changed most is the man. Time changes us. You are harder today than you were yesterday. And if you refuse Christ tonight, you will be harder the next time. I need the Lord to make me a preacher. You see, it's not a light thing that we pass by opportunity. It's not a light thing that we procrastinate and postpone and put God off as if to say later. You don't have later. I read only today of an 18-year-old that was killed over at Saraland just north of Saraland on 217. That's Celeste Highway. Automobile went off the road uh, sometime before dawn this morning. An 18-year-old off in eternity. That's just a few miles from where I used to pastor, right there at Turnerville. You can read the news every day. People are leaving this world, and they're not always old. I wish you'd help me while I preach. 
You see, life is passing and opportunities are fleeting. And every service that you come to the house of God and you listen to a preacher preach and warn you of eternity and you shrug it off and you shake it aside, it's easier for you to resist it the next time. Have I got a praying daddy in the house? Have I got a praying mama in the house? Do you understand that none of us are here to stay? I'm 56. You may leave before I do. You have no guarantee of tomorrow. It matters not how safe you drive. It matters not how cautious you live. It matters not how much care you take with your body. There's things that happen that are totally and completely out of your control. And in one failed moment, your life can be took out of here. I need somebody to help me while I preach. You see, it is a serious thing for Jesus to pass by and for you to sit. Jesus was passing by and Matthew was sitting at the seat, receipt of custom. Uh, his opportunity was passing. Uh, his occupation uh, prevented. Uh, <clears throat> really, in, in truth, Matthew had uh, betrayed his countrymen. He had sold himself out as a tax collector to the Romans. There was, there was not any occupation more despised, more despicable, and more disdained than that of a tax collector. For him to go house to house among his fellow Jews and excise tax of them, what a despicable, despicable occupation he had. As a matter of fact, because of the law, a man that was a tax collector was forbidden to go into the synagogue. Matthew could not go into the synagogue because of his occupation. But the Savior come to him. Hallelujah. And isn't it wonderful that no matter how befouled, no matter how wicked, no matter how ungodly, no matter how obscene, no matter what sin you may have been in, Christ can come right to where we are. Christ can come to our life and he's willing to pardon. He's willing to save. He's willing to forgive. He could not go inside the synagogue, but the Savior you come to him and you may feel unwanted you may feel unworthy as this tax collector you may feel like no one has pity on you that no one really cares about your life and no one is really concerned and they may think and you may think that you're deserving of where you're at but nevertheless there's a man named Jesus there's a man named Jesus and he, he is passing by Christ coming to his life. Don't miss your moment. Christ calling him to leave. This is a beautiful picture of conviction working on a human heart. Christ coming to his life. Christ calling him to leave. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. I still believe. That real soul salvation does not leave men where they are. But a real encounter with Christ changes you. You are born again. 
You are free from sin. You are saved out of your sin. You are not saved to sin, but you are saved out of sin, saved from sin. The penalty of sin has been taken away, but the presence of sin no longer has power in your life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 in your Bible. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. That's what happens when Christ comes to a man. He gives him a call to follow. Christ gave to Matthew a call to follow. He saw a man. He saw a man. This is Matthew 9, 9. He saw a man. A man named Matthew. When Jesus looked at that man, he saw a man with greed in his head. But Jesus wanted to show grace to his heart. Amen. Jesus wanted to change his life. Away with excuses. Away with reasons why to sit. And so I want to ask you. Are you going to get up and serve God or not? There was an old preacher. His name was. Get a load of this. His name was Spankenberg. Spankenberg. Was that preaching. And uh, he saw a red-headed boy sitting on the back row. And he saw conviction fall on that young man's heart. And Spankenberg left the pulpit and worked his way all the way down the long aisle until he placed his, his hand right on top of that red-headed boy. And big, he said he was a big boy with just full of curly hair and said his hand right down on top of that red-headed boy's head and said, Young man, do you mean to follow Christ or not? And Spankenberg said that boy was so taken by what he said that the boy just stood up right then and made his walk to the altar. And Spankenberg said that as he walked to the altar, I just kept my hand upon his head and led him all the way to the altar and that young boy testified later and said, I got to heaven by the hair of my head. <laughs> I want to ask you here tonight, do you mean to serve Jesus or not? Oh, I wish the Lord would help me. The Bible says that Jesus gave Matthew a call to follow. And then Jesus also gave him a command to forsake the Bible said, and he left all and rose up and followed him. That's the joy of following Christ. You get to leave it all. You get to lay it all down. You get to put it all aside. That burden of sin that's on your shoulder. You don't have to carry that anymore. I love Bunyan's story of Christian Amen. <clears throat> of how that, that burden rolls away and he makes his journey to celestial city. I'm glad I laid my burden down. Aren't you? 
that weight of sin, that weight of shame, that weight of iniquity, all the things that hunted and haunted and dogged my steps, all the things that seemed to be in relentless pursuit of me, and I could not evade them, and I could not escape them. I found myself at an old-fashioned altar, and I told the Lord I was a sinner, and He told me He'd be my Savior. I'm glad I got to leave it all. Amen. I'm glad for when <coughs> the burden of sin rolled away and he left it all. Now there are some people that they hear his call but they're not willing to leave it all. And how many people do you know and I know that we saw a tear and we saw some semblance of remorse, but there was never really a change. There was really no conversion. Y'all still in the church house or did y'all get up and leave? So what we have is people under conviction, but not converted. You feel uncomfortable about your sins. You feel chastised because of your wrong. But you don't want to get up and leave it all. I read once of a couple that had been uh, in Jehovah Witness uh, religion for years. And this gentleman, he said, as he remarked about their spiritual journey, he said that uh, someone come knocked on their door and invited them to a Protestant church. And, and they, they left the Jehovah Witness Kingdom Hall and they went to a Protestant church and, and they embraced Christianity. And by and by, he said, I, I, I do truly believe that we got saved. I do believe that we were really converted. And he's telling all this after the fact. When I read this story, I was just, I couldn't hardly believe it. He said, and for a number of years, we went to a, a Christian church that believed Protestant in the way we do. He said, but one day I said to my wife, he said, you know, we still got a, a lot of Jehovah Witness literature here at the house. Why don't we just read it? And when he's telling this story, he's back as a Jehovah Witness. And he's telling it like it's a great thing that they're back. And, uh, but the thing that brought them back to the Jehovah Witness religion is they kept that literature in their house. And when I read that story, I thought, sir, the best thing you could have ever done is burned it all. So if you got any old stuff laying around, anything that is a hindrance, anything that the devil could use to lure you back, why don't you just get rid of it all? Why don't you just do away with it? Have a good old house cleaning. Would, would you pray the Lord help me right here? Just go ahead and get rid of every bit of it and say, I'm not going to let that have a hold on me. I'm going to leave it all. I'm going to forsake it. I'm going to quit it. I'm going to give it up. And I'm going to put it away from me. You remember when Paul had that great revival at Ephesus? You know what the scripture said? They burned the books. Amen. They had a burning. Been a long time since I 
have been to one. I, I remember some years ago at a youth camp, the Lord got to working and moving, and they had a great big old 55-gallon steel drum there. And kids got to bring in ungodly music and ungodly clothes and cosmetics and jewelry and all kind of things that were markings and trappings, uh, amen, of the world and things that they got convicted of. And you know what they done? They burned it. I want to tell you, I wish that God would send a sanctifying revival again to the holiness church. And let's, let's have a house cleaning and let's burn it all and give everything to God. If you go to uh, Heidelberg, Mississippi, there's a congregation there, and there was a dear sister there at the church that where I used to preach at back in the 80s, and she'd stand and testify, and one phrase that she would always say, and a lot of them would say, was, I thank the Lord when he saved me. He didn't give me a look back mind. Oh, hallelujah. I'm glad, amen, that when the Lord saved me, I set my eyes on heaven and I'm not looking for a way to go back. I left it all. I told you what Brother Mike Maxson Jr. said at the cemetery uh, when they buried his mother, Sister Carol Maxson, such a great woman of God. Brother Mike stood there that day and he said, First of all, let me say, no one in this family is looking for an excuse to quit God. He said, we don't understand why God took mother. We don't understand why it happened like it did. We prayed so hard that God would heal her, but the Lord saw to take her home. And he said, nevertheless, we're going to serve God anyway. I want to tell you, when I put my knees on the floor and I bowed my knees before God, I made up my mind, I'm going to leave it all and I'm not going back. For any man that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. If you don't look back, you won't be tempted to go back. Anybody going to help me while I preach? But my mind's made up. My face is set like a flip. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to turn around. I'm glad I answered the call and I left it all. You can do that in this altar tonight. You can answer the call and leave it all. <clears throat> the greatest step to victory in your personal experience is for you to make that personal decision in your own life, I'm going to leave it all. I'm going to give it up. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to quit it. I'm going to put it away. And I'm not going back. And the title of my message is, Don't Miss Your Moment. Hallelujah. Come here now. Brother McDonald, how, how do I know if something is right or wrong? How can, I, how can I decide of what I need to leave when I follow Christ? Well, let me ask you this. In services just like this, is there something you're uneasy about? You might be on the right trail. Come here now. Is there something that when you become cold and prayerless that you're compelled to pick up 
That might be what it is. If, there, if there's something that is of your past sinful life that you had an affinity and an affection and an attraction to, and now at times it seems like that you're just taken with a sense of uh, allurement to be pulled to that thing, and you know that it causes you to feel sickened, Inside at the very thought that you would take up that sin, friend, the best thing you can do is turn your back on it and leave it all. Amen. Because the scripture said, for if I build again the things that I once destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. You need to watch that word. The Greek there is hamapia, and it means to miss. Oh my, for if I build again. Again, the things I once destroyed, I miss. I miss the mark. I've missed the goal. And how sad it is that there are people that are sitting in holiness churches that one time had holiness convictions that they cherished and they kept. But somehow or another, they're picking up things of the past and they're going back and doing things they one time denounced. Have I got a praying church? I want to tell you, if it was sin yesterday, it's still sin today and it'll be sin tomorrow you may find you a compromising backslid preacher that'll pat you on the back and tell you you can live any way you want to you can live any way you want to but you'll burn in hell for that but if you want a wholeness preacher you got one and I'm telling you the best thing you can do is leave it all lay it all down turn your back on it and don't pick it up ever again Uh, in regard to Matthew, Levi, Christ coming to his life, Christ calling him to leave, Christ chosen as his Lord, and the Bible said that he made him a great feast in his own house, as if to say, Lord, you're welcome at my house. And that's the expression that Paul uses when he once says that Christ may be at home in your heart. And he uses the word abide. That Christ may abide in your hearts by faith. Or Christ may be at home in your heart. Come here now. With the things that you do, the things that you watch, things that you look at, things that you listen to, is Christ at home in your heart? If Christ were to physically come into your living room, would he be comfortable? And would you be comfortable knowing that that was going on? And the Lord in your living room? Did you ever see the old cartoon of that lady that's in the kitchen and she's cooking and she's got a great big trash can there full and she says, Harry, come take out the trash. Harry, rather, time to take out the trash. And on the other side of the little cartoon, Harry is sitting in the living room watching TV. But there's something so angered him that when his wife says, Harry, it's time to take out the trash, he picks up the TV and takes it out the door. 
You know the best thing in the world for some of you to do? Take out the trash. And that's good preaching whether you say amen or not. You see, the media is dumbing America down. And people are so captivated, consumed, and controlled by entertainment that they don't even realize what's happening politically and socially and morally in this world. And people's minds is so full of trash until they're being acclimated and conditioned to accept that same-sex marriage is okay. Because now on media, two women kiss each other in the mouth, God forbid, and if that don't make you gagging, puking sick, amen, and all the stuff that goes on and all of this, <coughs> all these things, amen, that are happening in our cultural revolution until by and by we become so immersed and absorbed and saturated in it, amen, until we think that that's the norm. It's not norm to be queer. It's not norm to be gay it's not norm to be a homosexual but if you look at it long enough you'll just accept it but I refuse to accept it I say take out the trash I say take out the trash <laughs> the decision he made a real experience will go home with you you can feel his presence in your home you can find his peace in your home and you can fulfill his purpose in your home. That bears repeating. He took Jesus home with him. You can feel his presence in your home. You do that. Let me tell you how it works. It works better like this for me. Praise God, there ain't nothing that a good cup of Maxwell House coffee can't help you conquer in the mornings. Get you a good cup of coffee and a good King James Bible. And you read that word and meditate on Him. Get you an audio Bible. Turn it on. Follow along in the Scripture. And before you know it, you feel His presence in your home. And then you can find his peace, his peace in your home. And then you can fulfill his purpose in your home. Christ chosen as his Lord. The decision he made, the destiny he met. Uh, Matthew Levi, the tax collector, became a disciple of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, he wrote the first gospel. And he begins by saying, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Malachi ends by saying, lest I come with a curse. Last word of the Old Testament, curse. But if you turn the page to the New Testament, hallelujah. Matthew says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. The Old Testament ends with a curse. 
the New Testament begins with Christ. Hallelujah. And Matthew begins to declare unto us Christ. And he gives us the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And he opens unto us the New Testament. Because in the Old Testament, we see Christ in shadow. But in the New Testament, we see Christ in substance. In the Old Testament, we have Christ in parallel. In the New Testament, we have Christ in his presence. In the Old Testament, we see him somewhat in a shadow. But in the New Testament, we see his presence. I'm glad that Matthew came along and said, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about, amen, he's the son of David, who was the son of God. Let me tell you about a wonderful Savior who came when I was sitting lost and lonely and hopeless. And Jesus come by and said, hey, Matthew, you get up and get out and follow me. Aren't you glad Jesus passed by and Jesus gave you an opportunity to leave it all? <coughs> Only Jesus can see what your life will be with him in control. Now you already know what it has been up to this point without him. All the hurt, heartache, havoc without him. Without Jesus, hurt, heartache, havoc, and then for those without Christ, hell. Can you imagine some of the things that people have went through in this world? All the pain and hurt. And then on top of that have to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. In the Canadian Rockies there is a stream called Divide Creek. In the Canadian Rockies, there's a stream called Divide Creek. At a point in its course, Divide Creek divides around a large boulder. Waters which flow to the left side of the boulder rush on into the Kicking Horse River and by and by finds itself in the Pacific Ocean. Waters which travel to the right go into the Bow River which courses into Saskatchewan and then Lake Winnipeg and Lake the Nelson River and the Hudson Bay and by and by the Atlantic Ocean. Once the waters divide at the rock, there's no turning back. I set before you tonight the rock Jesus Christ. You can't afford to go the wrong direction. Brother Chad, why do you take a Sunday night message and preach to everybody that you know and everybody that you've preached to time and time again as if it were 500 or 5,000 because you mean as much to me as 5,000. And one day I'll stand before God and I'm going to be able to do this and there'll be no blood on my hands. 
because God and myself knows I've preached you truth tonight that if you go to hell, you'll have to go over the prayers of mama. You'll have to go over the preaching of this man of God right here. If you go to hell, you'll have to go over the preaching of the word of God you've heard right here. Come saying, Father, I thank you for your Holy Ghost. I thank you, Lord, for what you mean to us and what you're doing in us. And for that person here tonight that needs to make a decision to leave it all. Help them to do it tonight. For that person, God, that's been struggling with areas of personal holiness in their life, things that at times they feel convicted, and then a coldness comes over them and they become callous and indifferent, and they go back to things that once they've been, that they've laid down. Help them to settle holiness in their heart tonight. And leave it all. Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed. Right there where you're seated. I want to reason with you for just a moment. Brother Shad. At times now and again. It seems like God begins to prick my heart about things. I just get caught up in life. I get caught up with things. Somehow or another, I lose that sense of urgency. And tonight, my heart's been stirred, Brother Shad. And there's some things going on in my life and my home that I need to give up and I need to get over. And really, I just need to leave it all, lay it down. You feel God dealing with you in that manner. I want you to raise your hand right now. God bless you. Hear me now. Brother Shad, what I need to do is leave it all. Anybody? All right. It may not be something that I've dealt with tonight, but the Spirit has pricked your heart. You need to leave it all. My wife has said it more times than I can count. She said, there's one thing worse And going to hell. That's going to hell and taking somebody with you. What a fool to go to hell for somebody else. No relationship, nothing, nobody. It's worth going to hell over. I feel Holy Ghost conviction in the house tonight. What you need to do is get up from where you're at. And make up your mind, I'm going to leave it all. And I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. No matter what my husband does, what my wife does, what my companion, my friend, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to go to heaven. 
there's somebody in this room right now, probably more than one. Conviction's knocking on your door. I done hit the mark here tonight. What you need to do is get up from where you're at and say, I ain't going to hell for nobody. I'm waiting on you right now. Don't miss your moment. What will my friends say? Who cares? There won't be no friends in hell. There won't be no parties in hell. What you really need to do is come clean with God. And say, I'm going to give it up. And I'm going to leave it all. I'm waiting on you. I thought you'd have already come. It's a hindrance to your relationship with Christ. It's a hindrance to your relationship with your family. Give it up. Quit it. Don't do it no more. And the only one that can help you do that is Jesus Christ. Jesus passed. Don't miss your moment. When's your opportunity going to be over? Could this be your last altar call? waiting on you.